Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. You know, we're all way too busy. But to most of us, our busyness is a badge of honor. We rush to do things all around us. The more we accomplish, quote unquote, the better we feel about ourselves. But what does God think? Is God a rushing God or an unhurried God? Does our leadership flow out of a deep relationship with God or the hurried, harried world that you and I live in? There is no question that the unhurried leader has deeper relationships all around and makes deeper impact for the kingdom long-term. Today, we battle this topic with Alan Fadling as we talk about his latest book, An Unhurried Leader. Alan Fadling, welcome to I Work For Him. I uh, I always think it's important to, to start with, you know, this unhurried leader. First of all, a lot of folks will hear a phrase like that and think, I don't think those two words belong in the same phrase. Uh, how in the world can you be a leader and, and be unhurried? The unhurried sounds so uninvolved. It sounds like you're not getting much done, are you, if you're unhurried? But I always think there's a great deal of difference between busy and hurried. Busy, that's just a matter of calendar and to-do list. I mean, we're busy people, a lot of us. And Jesus was at times busy. You know, the crowds just kept coming. So busy isn't necessarily the problem. The challenge is hurry. See, busy's a matter of calendar. Hurry, that's a matter of soul. It's who I am when I'm doing all the things that I may be doing on any given day. The way I like to unpack it is, I think Jesus at times is busy, but I don't think Jesus is ever hurried. And so by that I mean, for example, Jesus always seems to have time to stop for people, no matter what he might be up to in terms of the work of that day. And, and another way to say that is that Jesus' work seems to always be focused on people. For me, when I get into a hurried mode, it increasingly feels like my work is a long list of things that may or may not involve people. But in reality, whatever my work is, at some point, it touches the lives of and it benefits people. So one of the ways I see unhurried leadership functioning is learning that people are what matter most in our days, and we're serving them, we're working alongside them, they might be our clients, they might be our friends. Do I have time to give them my attention? When I'm hurried, I don't. Uh, When I slow down to the pace of grace, to the pace of Jesus, I learn that that might be the very best way to give my time, use my time, invest my time in any given day. Why is it important to the kingdom, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, why is it important that we become unhurried leaders, unhurried people? Yeah. Well, I think the main reason is, um, you may be able to identify with this, but I've had busy, full days that, unfortunately, were also hurried, where I got a gob of things checked off on my list, or I packed a lot of appointments into my calendar, but I can sometimes get to the end of that day and kind of find myself asking, did that matter? Um, did everything I got done, will that matter to me five years from now or 100 years from now or 10,000 years from now? 
And so one of the reasons unhurry becomes so important is uh, I tend to get better things done when I slow down inside. I see, for example, like Jesus does, I begin to have an eye for the things that the Father might, in fact, be inviting me to do in a given day. Rather than, I'll just be honest, sometimes on my hurried days, I've decided there's 10 things I need to do for God. I'd be happy if he'd be willing to sort of throw a little blessing on it as I go run and do it, probably mostly unaware that he's with me while I do it. When I unhurry, when I slow down, I realize, you know what, I could actually engage a busy day walking with God. I actually could do that, and that might be the most fruitful thing I do. It might actually be more productive than the frantic, anxious, hurried way that I've sometimes functioned. Well, and you made a kind of a, a, a connection between somebody who's running around, rushing around, kind of going crazy with somebody who's a control freak. Are you a control freak? Is that why you're always rushing around? That's kind of, as you started the book out, I kind of thought maybe that's that's a pretty neat connection between being a control freak and somebody who is hurried. Yeah, well, maybe I could say I'm a recovering. Okay, you know. that's fair. <laughs> control freak. I, I think a lot of us who would describe ourselves as leaders are tempted to think that the main thing we need to do is get control of stuff. And I understand the impulse, but Christian leaders realize there's actually someone in control already. I may not feel like I'm in control, but the fact that the one we follow is called Lord means that he has a level of oversight, and if you want to use the language of control, see, what energizes my grasping for control is usually anxiety. And I've had to ask myself more recently, you know, Maybe maybe Jesus is right about anxiety. Maybe it doesn't actually add to the value of what I do. Maybe it doesn't actually make me an inch taller or make my life a year longer. Maybe it actually always does detract, because anxiety is that sort of attempt to get control of things, but usually with not much of an awareness that God's already there and already at work and already caring. Well, you wrote, you know, this is a paraphrase, but you wrote this in your book, that the world says the one who hurries gets the most done, but spiritual wisdom speaks that the one who hurries delays the things of God. Is that true? Yeah, what I've, sadly, what I've learned is there's sometimes I'm overdoing stuff that God ends up having to undo, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that. But, you know, I think there's a lot of stories in Scripture where leaders— took initiative on impulse, and the minute they did, they realized, oh, no, that wasn't good. <laughs> and I sadly have done the same, and so that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, we, we think we're doing something that would honor God or bless God or serve God's purposes, but if we haven't listened well, if it's not growing out of a continually deepening friendship with God, it's very possible that I'll find myself running ahead and there are just too many biblical stories and historical stories about that kind of running ahead being a problem instead of a benefit. So often, Alan, we find ourselves very busy and also very hurried. But you're saying that, well, what you said in the first segment, I liked it, that it's okay to be busy, but just not in a hurry. Why? Yeah, so I think, you know, what I would say about busy is, Look, Jesus said he gave, he gave us a yoke. He said about that yoke that it's easy, it's well-fitting. Not easy in the sense it's simple, 
but easy in the sense that it fits well. I think when I get into hurried modes, the, the yoke can start feeling heavier than Jesus meant it to feel. And the other thing about the reason that yoke fits so well is I'm not carrying it alone. Hurry puts me in a tunnel vision place where I think I'm doing all this stuff alone, where in fact I was always invited to do the work I do and to have the influence I have with him. It's, it's just one more way to cultivate this amazing relationship into which I've been invited. Working with him is just one way to do it. When I get into work-for-him mode, then it's like he, his, he's at the home office about four states away, and I'm frantically trying to get something done for him. There's not as much of a sense of relationship or connection. That's what makes it fruitful. That's the language of a vine and a branch and a branch that stays connected, and it bears much fruit as a result. So let's just draw some pictures for people. Like, let's talk about how unhurried leaders are different. Now, this is right on the page 16 of your book. So literally a guy could take the rest of the show and just talk about these five facets, which we won't. We'll try to cover more. But yeah. these are some really big points. So what are those five ways that unhurried leaders are different? Well, it grows out of a verse you probably would never quote as a leadership verse. It's the one in Isaiah 30 where... Isaiah says, hey, look, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Now, those four words, repentance, rest, quietness, trust, uh, they don't sound like leadership words. But salvation and strength, those really are leadership categories. Salvation says there's something we're aiming at. There may need to be some rescue. There may be a problem that needs to be solved. There's a, there's a way to realize uh, what God's given us to do that looks like salvation or strength. Well, I don't think anyone's going to argue that strength is a leadership category. The problem is how we define them. And so in terms of these uh, four, rather than fill their lives with noise, unhurried leaders make time for silence in which to listen. That's the quietness. But rather than allow anxiety to drive them, unhurried leaders learn to depend on a reliable God who invites them to join a very good kingdom work that's already well underway. That's the trust. Uh, rather than tackle self-initiated projects under the guise of doing them for God, unhurried leaders humbly orient themselves to the leader of all, learning to take their cues from him. That's how I see repentance. And then rest comes when unhurried leaders realize that they, they need to rest as hard as they work. That rest isn't just a negative category, it's a positive category. And then finally, rather than measuring the productivity of their lives only in terms of what they do, unhurried leaders understand the importance of certain things they don't do. And one of the ways I've been putting that lately, as I've been working with groups of leaders, is leadership is not just about our activities. It is. But leadership is also about our receptivities, about our listening, about our enjoying who God is, taking in what God is always giving, rather than always seeing leadership as what I'm giving out. You, know, you just said something there that, that is powerful, that I am almost positive nobody ever gets taught in leadership school. Pretty sure. Well, like, yeah. like unhurried leaders understand. This is what I want you to comment on. Unhurried leaders understand the importance of certain things they don't do. Yeah. So maybe a great biblical place to see this is, you know, in Luke 5, verse 15, you've got one of these verses where basically the crowds just keep coming and Jesus meets them as a shepherd uh, to bring healing or to bring teaching or to bring deliverance or whatever it is the people need. And, and it's a long day. It's a busy day. 
the very next verse, verse 16, is the one that says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. I know a lot of leaders who wouldn't see that as a strategic element of their leadership plan, but it was a very strategic rhythm in the way Jesus brought kingdom influence everywhere he went. So that's something of the not-do. You know, there was a day where instead of healing and teaching and bringing deliverance to people who needed that, there was a day, and and that, that verse says, often when Jesus stepped away from all of the work, the tasks, the activities, to practice a kind of receptivity to the Father who had said at the beginning, you know, you're my son, I love you, I'm so pleased with you. And Jesus first heard those words when he had really no resume to speak of. He was just starting his active public ministry. I just think we work better when we work from recognition rather than working for it. When we work from a sense of being treasured and being loved rather than trying to work for those things. That's what I think the doing and the not doing, the the receptivity and the activity sort of looks like in real life. Well, let's just bring a little bit of positive. I mean, not that this is a positive, but we're learning. And sometimes learning concepts like this is... It's a little painful, especially for, <laughs> especially, I don't know. I don't know about you, Alan, but well, let me just, let's just go back. Let's ask, it's, it's about you. Is this you? Were you the hurried leader? Is that why you wrote this book? Because you've learned how to be unhurried? Yeah. Uh, most people write books because they need them. <laughs> and, <laughs> so and, this is for you. This I'm, is counseling I'm for no you. Different. Yeah, I'm no different. I, I, the very first line of my first book, An Unhurried Life, goes like this. I'm a recovering speed addict. I'm not talking about a drug. I'm talking about my soul. And so I still see myself as somebody who is in recovery. There are ways in which my soul continues to revert to sort of unhealthy, hurried habits like, you know, drivenness, like anxiety, like trying to make everybody around me happy or any number of other things that accelerate my inner life, my soul. And so, yeah, I wrote both of these books, the one we're talking about, An Unhurried Leader, from a place of personal journey. You know, I I started in ministry. I remember a season where I was a full-time local church college pastor. I was a full-time student at a large Southern California seminary. I was newly married. I'm sad to say my priorities were probably in about that order. And I was measuring myself by all the things I did. So if I am what I do, and this is how I saw myself, Well, then if I do more, guess what? I am more. At least that's how the formula works, except there's a certain trap built into that. How much do I need to do to feel like I've been faithful, that I've been good, that I've been fruitful? And the answer to that is is really, well, a little more than I've done so far. And pretty soon you just run out of gas. And for some people that becomes burnout. For some people, it becomes disillusionment. For some people, it involves falling to some temptation and trying to escape your crazy drivenness for even just a few minutes. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at IWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at IWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at IWorkForHim. 
And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at iWorkForHim and online, iWorkForHim.com. 